Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. ESNY. episode of the Hoops Addicts Anonymous podcast and Elite Sports NY production taping on May 8th, a Friday night, a little before 8.30. Very excited to come to you guys on another quarantine evening um, for a another NBA redraft episode. Uh, for this edition, Chip and I are going over the 2014 NBA draft where Andrew Rick Wiggins was taken first. Um, and happy as always to be doing this with my partner in crime, Chip Murphy. Chip, what's going on? How are you? I'm good, man. I'm very good. Uh, Wiggins taken first and then promptly traded famously. Yeah. For, uh, Kevin Love. Uh, that's what I was thinking about with this one. The, that's what we used to think. That was the biggest storyline going ahead. Trapped up until recent, up until, uh, Embiid popped off and Jokic too, but. Uh, yeah, um, this draft was huge, not as much, it just shifted the league big time because of all that Wiggins did, not necessarily for Minnesota, but because he brought Kevin Love to Cleveland. This was an important draft. It's not like, uh, we were talking before, uh, we started recording, you know, the top two guys are pretty much a lock. And then after that, it's really a crapshoot. You know, like, and uh, you said it, it depends on what you value more. You know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of really good role players in this draft, like really good guys, a lot of scoring, some defense, uh, some versatile players. Uh, It's, yeah, there's a lot of good players in this draft. There's only two superstars, two clear cut superstars. Um, It's an interesting draft. Uh, And this, I don't know about you. I think this might've been the hardest draft to pick for me it was it was definitely hard uh the hardest for me by far um i agree with you it, it there's going to be some interesting decision making pieces that go into uh every pick from three and on um and interestingly enough as both of us are knicks fans isn't this the draft that supposedly or reportedly Brock Aller uh, gets a lot of credit for clearing the cap space. Was was it this one or or making some trades? Because didn't or was it? What which is the one where doesn't LeBron write the letter and and then he famously doesn't include Wiggins in it, which everyone knew that meant okay they were going to trade for Kevin Love. Yeah, I'm looking at the post article right now. You were right. It's uh, Brock Aller is credited with creating the cap space to craft the cap room via trades to land LeBron James in free agency in 2014. So that was like, a, I guess, one of his big moves when he was with Cleveland. Yeah, I mean, um, that, and, and like you were saying before, Wiggins is such a big part of, uh, of, the, of the league kind of moving forward. It sets the stage for Cleveland to kind of begin um, their ascension and which obviously culminates in a championship in, in 2016. Um, so a very interesting draft, a very deep draft. I think, uh, we should just get right into it. Um, as we were saying before, in reality, Andrew Wiggins out of Kansas was picked number one here. Uh, and it could be that Chip and I disagree with the number one pick. I know that the first two we will be in lockstep with, it's possible that the order might be different. Um, but I went Joel Embiid here and, uh, three-time all-star, two-time all-NBA, all-NBA selection, two-time all-defensive, 
absolutely the argument against Joel Embiid will be missed games due to injury. Missed two full seasons due to injury. Um, has only played 202 games total, which is probably on the lower end for the majority, if not all, of the 14 picks that are in this draft. Um, has missed over 100 games over the last four seasons. Still, Joel Embiid to me is the better player. He's the better defender. He is a top five or seven player when healthy on both ends of the court. Um, Joel Embiid to me changes significantly your franchise when he steps on the court on day one. Um, and I love me some Nikola Jokic, but I just had to go with Joel Embiid here. Chip, who did you go with for number one? Yeah, I'm an analytics nerd, but I'm not that big of an analytics nerd. <laughs> uh, I'm going Embiid too. Okay. For all the same reasons you said. I, uh, I was looking up B-Ball Reference Finder, and uh, you know the hit, uh, Embiid and Giannis are the only two players since Shaq back in 99-2000 to average 27 points and 13 rebounds. It's pretty amazing stats, and those two, uh, Giannis and Embiid, are the only two players to put up those numbers and actually make a three-point shot, which I think it tells you a lot about how the game is going right now. But uh, it's pretty, pretty crazy numbers that Embiid put up last year. Uh, Giannis actually put up those numbers last year and is putting them up currently. Embiid's numbers, as we know, went down. Sixers are not playing very well. But it tells you a lot about Embiid's dominance. I mean, I was looking at his on-off defensive rating and uh the Sixers are sixth in defense this year uh which I mean look it's it's a good number but we were expecting the Sixers to have this all world like defense, top three you know, yeah Al Horford. oh yeah. yeah to be the first or second for yeah. sure and uh you know when they have Embiid on the court their defensive rating is 101.4 which would be first in the league if they had kept up that pace and when he's off the court they're 109.4 which would be 15th in the league wow so his impact you know everybody talks about rudy gobert and his impact and you know as knicks fans we talk about mitch and we talk about them more because they're not the offensive players as as that Embiid is but you just said it yourself Embiid's defense is phenomenal yeah when he's healthy, I don't think there is a better defensive player in the NBA. Yeah. I mean, he's so good. So that and like you mentioned, his defense sets him apart from Jokic, who we're about to talk about in a second. Uh, I, even though I think Jokic's the knocks on his defense are a little overrated, especially recently. But uh, yeah, I, I think Embiid wins it over Jokic. Like I said, I'm I'm an analytics guy, but I'm not that big of an analytics guy. I I see the games, and Embiid just dominates games at both ends of the court, and Jokic does not. Yeah, I mean, I'm uh, I, we're we're definitely in agreement there. I mean, Embiid is just so fun to watch too, man. Uh, not yeah. that Jokic isn't; he totally is. Um, I mean, not that Embiid has; he's probably dominated even better competition. But man, I just remember how he just bullied Jarrett Allen in the playoffs last year when, when the 76ers played Brooklyn. Literally, probably one of the reasons, besides the fact that DeAndre Jordan is Kevin Durant's best friend, probably one of the reasons that the Nets decide to go out and get Jordan because of how much Allen got bullied uh, by Embiid in that series. Uh, really a non-factor. And he's just very physical. He's intimidating. He's physical. Um, you just hope that the trend of games missed, which has been very prevalent uh, in 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 his seasons, doesn't continue because he is God, man. He is he's one of the best players in the NBA. He's so and fun to watch. Marcus Gasol, Marcus Gasol didn't think he was too physical either. So yeah, yeah. He needs, to, he needs to toughen up when he faces a guy like that. Not that there's a lot of Marcus Souls in the league. True. But there's gonna be not everybody's gonna be Jared Allen. There's gonna be guys that are gonna hit him in the mouth, and he didn't respond too well to Marcus Gasol. That's true. That's very true. Um, okay, so number two here, uh, let me just go back to the actual draft. So we had Jabari Parker from Duke, who went to Milwaukee. Oh uh, oof. Thank God for Giannis. Yeah. I'd still be killing him for that. <laughs> of course, of course. 
Um, Chip, who did you go with for number two here? We I know we already I talked about it, but I went with the Joker. Yep. Yeah. I mean, it's a it's an obvious one here. Uh, his his numbers speak for themselves. They're crazy. Uh, I'm looking again. I'm looking at B-ball reference finder. Uh, over the last three seasons, uh, there's only five players with more win shares than Joker. Harden, Giannis, Lillard, AD, and Gobert. Uh, he's been phenomenal the last three years. He's all-star the last two. Uh, you can make an argument he should have been one in 16-17. Um, he's one of the already one of the greatest passing big men of all time. Um, that year, uh, well, but Jesus, that year, uh, last year, uh, when they made that playoff run and everybody was like, oh, he can't score enough to uh, get it done, the playoffs, he all of a sudden stepped up and dominated scoring-wise in the playoffs. Um, I know, look, I know there's doubts about whether he can be a number one guy, but, you know, 25.1 points, 13 rebounds, 8.4 assists in 14 playoff games. And he averaged 40 minutes a game, you know, and shot 39% from three. Yeah, I, I, I feel like he put durability issues to rest when he, he played like that. And I know he came into the season this year in shitty shape, and he can't be doing that every year when he's the number one guy. He can't be doing that. But he also, you remove that stretch of shitty basketball at the beginning of the year, and his numbers are outstanding. <laughs> so he's one of the best players in the NBA. He is. Uh, and he's a number one guy. The the cast around him, there is questions about Jamal Murray, not to get too deep into Denver. There's people hotter on Jamal Murray than I am. Um, not, I'm not going to go into what happened on his Instagram or whatever that was. <laughs> <laughs> was that oh, Instagram man. or Snapchat? I forget. That's true. Was that Instagram, Snapchat? Uh, I forget. It could have been Instagram. So could have been Instagram. It feels like it happened a year ago. I think it, it does feel like that. He pulled a he pulled yeah. a Draymond Green with a at least yeah. with with someone there with him, but still. Yeah. Oh, Draymond. Yeah. We got to do a Draymond pod. He's yeah, still do. getting killed. Yeah, I know. I know. Um, dude, I, yeah, listen, Jokic is in, in regards to this class and where he ranks first in rebounds, third in points. Um, he is, he's a sports center highlight for very different reasons than the majority of NBA players are. He's not a high flyer. He's extremely skilled, a very intelligent player. He has an extremely, extremely great awareness of the space around him and how to make plays within that space. Um, I mean, it is such an, an immense talent to understand where people are moving around you without even looking at them. And he possesses that skill in spades. For a big man, it's extremely rare. He's so fun to watch. And I'm not going to lie. I also agree with you. He The shape has to get better. His physical fitness has to get better, whether it's you know a, a buying into a personal chef or a more stringent workout routine. But to me, it's even more amazing that as like, you know, a little bit of a pudgier dude, he can do what he does. Like it's and like it's even crazier to me because when he runs up and down the court, it actually looks like it's hard for him. Like it actually looks like he's like, ah shit, I gotta do this. And and then when he gets to the end, he's like, whoop, 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 you know, like what you know, makes yep. plays within a minute. Um, so he's he's so entertaining. I do hope that his physical shape gets better. Kind of like Kevin Love before Kevin Love started really to take maybe the fitness side of basketball very seriously. He dropped down a lot of weight. Um, but clearly number two on this. Uh, or, or you know, I know some people will probably put him number one because of the availability. Um, but these two guys are in a class of their own. Um, so let's move on to number three. In reality, we had... I mean... I, I listen. I wouldn't do it, but I, I'm sure there's there's some people. It, it, number three, uh, another fellow Kansas alum, Joel Embiid. This is where he was taken in reality with Philly. Um, I I went with uh, Clint Capella here. Um, so another big. That's three bigs in a row. Uh, high wind shares, thirty six point four, one point nine BPM, 
first in field goal percentage in his class, third in rebounds, averaged almost a double-double for his career, second in win shares. Um, There's no question he's fallen off a little bit. But the reason I have him this high, too, is not just because of his current production, but I am kind of one of those guys that buys into his pairing with Trey Young. I think it could be at the detriment of John Collins, and that's something that that me and Chip have talked about in the past, um, which is sucks, which sucks a little bit. But I do like uh, the pick and roll threat that him and Trey can serve together, and I think they can do some pretty interesting things in Atlanta. It will just depend on how Lloyd Pierce and that franchise figures out how to use the. Not, I don't want to say abundance like it's like a huge strength that they have, but basically how they choose to use DeAndre Hunter, Clint Capella, John Collins, and Cam Reddish. How they choose to um, ex- ex- accentuate those guys' strengths and figure out how they play together, if at all they play together, who to trade. I think that will be very interesting, but I think Clint Capella belongs fairly high on this list. Chip, who'd you go with for number three? Yeah, that is high. Clint Capella, I, I'm surprised you put him that high. A big, like a big who can't shoot. Guys like that aren't uh, considered very valuable in the NBA right now. I'm surprised you picked him. To be honest, I did not pick him that high. I went with uh, Spencer Dinwiddie here. Okay. Uh, I know for Knicks fans that's not going to be a very popular pick, <laughs> uh, and I know he's. Uh, I know he's only really come on. Uh, in the past, like, two years, he's only really erupted. Uh, three years ago, he kind of had a big year, 2017, 18, 12.6 points. But uh, these past two have been his breakout years. You know, the past two years, 18.6, uh, 42.7. Uh, field goal percentage, 32.1, three-point, 79% from free throw, and uh, 5.6 assists. Um, the fit with Kyrie is interesting. Uh, the fact, you know, you mentioned DeAndre Jordan, the highest paid friend in NBA history. Uh, that is, uh, obviously why he's there and why he won't be traded. I wonder if Spencer Dinwiddie being friends with Kyrie Irving means he won't be traded because I feel like under normal circumstances, he would be trade bait too. We all know Jared Allen is going to be traded. Um, uh, but Spencer Dinwiddie, I really think he's a valuable player in the NBA right now. Uh, his defense obviously is an outstanding. Uh, I also, I'll be honest, I'm biased. I like his story. Yeah. I like the fact that, you know, he was, uh, he was a prick in Detroit and his teammates hated him and he uh, kind of overcame that reputation and he came to Brooklyn and learned from that and, you know, he's still a Twitter troll and all that, but, you know, he developed under Kenny Atkinson and learned from that. And, you know, it is what it is. Kenny Atkinson didn't want to be in Brooklyn anymore for whatever reason, but uh, I'm not sure he was the right coach for that team anyway. But, look, I, I really like Spencer Dinwiddie, uh, not necessarily the guy who goes on Twitter and trolls Knicks fans, but. I also wouldn't mind him having mind having him on the Knicks either. He's one of those guys. So uh, I think he's a good player, uh, and uh, I picked him here. He's a decent clutch shooter too, actually. Uh, he yeah. had some big clutch shots last year. I remember that. Again, yeah, that's another thing. Not afraid of the big moment. I like that about him too. He's definitely not. Um, okay, for number four, in reality, this was where Aaron Gordon was taken. Um where did he come out of? Oh, Arizona. Okay, yeah. And he was and he was drafted to the Orlando Magic. Uh, Chip, who did you go with for your number fourth pick? Well, I almost went sentimental here and just put AG on the Magic again, just because I thought that would be the right thing to do. But uh, I he's, went with he's not that here. far off for me from that position. But yeah. who'd you who'd you go yeah, with? I went with Capella here. Okay. He okay. I couldn't drop him much further. Yeah, you know, I, Capella's just been really good for a long time. And you mentioned the Trey Young thing, and I think that has potential to be really special connection. And him and Harden was really overlooked how good they were together. 
and I think, and by that I mean it was overlooked by their own front office. <laughs> I think that Daryl Moore is really going to regret passing hey. that up and getting rid of that. And I know him and Westbrook together didn't work, whatever. But Jesus, uh, yeah, I think uh, Trey Young and him have a uh, possibility to be a good connection. And yeah, it the John Collins thing. If that does turn out to be a hindrance to John Collins, it may actually mean he's trade bit, uh, tradable. And if that does happen, I'd love for the Knicks to get in on that. I'm a huge John Collins fan. I know you are too. We love yeah. John Collins on yeah. this show. But uh, yeah, it was. I, I couldn't put him any higher. I thought about putting him ahead of Dinwiddie. It's just a big guy who can't shoot, a rim runner who can't shoot. I, yeah, free throw percentage is rough Dinwiddie. too. I think he's at around like what sixty something percent or something like that. Yeah, it's not like he's putting down every. It's not like he's Mitch. He's not as good as Mitch. Like if he was in this draft hypothetically with Mitch, I would have put Mitch ahead of him. Right. And obviously, Gobert would have been ahead of him too. Yeah. Um, he would have been third on those guys. So yeah, I put I put him here. I put Dinwiddie ahead of him. I got Capella fourth. Okay, my fourth pick. I can feel. The, uh, not the hate. I can feel the shade coming. So I'm not going to lie. I, 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 this is the most maligned player in the draft. And I put him here because I looked at the numbers and I said, does he contribute to winning as of right now in his career? No, but he scored almost 9,000 points, just a shade under 45% from his career. Shot better from three this season, but then it dipped. He's averaged 19-4 and four for his career. The analytics are bad. They're not good at all. But I have Andrew Wiggins here. And the reason I have him here is because I am buying his position on the Golden State Warriors right now. Now, if that changes, if he gets why? traded, I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you why. Because, because that team... <laughs> With the exception of this year, which is which is whatever you want to call it, a gap year or, or uh, um, God, what's the word? What is he? Nineteen? What? No, 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 no. We know. I know. That's what I'm. That's no. But that's but the the term I'm trying to think of too also has to do not not with that, but like what's it called when you take a um like a year off of work to do research, a sabbatical or something like that. Oh, sabbatical. So like this is this is the Warriors sabbatical, okay? And they're going to come back with Draymond Green, Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, and Wiggins. Wiggins is on the court numbers just by the virtue of being around those players is going to increase. Um, and you have to you have to have some faith that the the positive culture and coaching staff there is going to get him to at least transition from becoming a inefficient high volume scorer to somewhat of a more efficient role player, whether he's coming off the bench or being a second creator when Steph, Steph is on the floor. Um, Wiggins still has enough talent and he's done, he's done a lot up until this career up, uh, up until this point in terms of production. Again, it hasn't contributed to winning. And I certainly have some guys that contribute to winning more than other people who have maybe padded stats stuffed in between here but um and the other thing if if you want to kill Wiggins here too is he's played the the most minutes in his class by a lot like like I think it's like 6,000 minutes between him and the next person um but I just think that the talent for his age he's still there thank you tips by the way (laughs) yeah that uh that that's probably true um so I went with Wiggins here at four but I like the but I, you know, I don't, I don't mind the Capella pick either. I mean, I think he should be top five for uh, for both of us. Um, okay. Yeah, I did not. I did not go with Wiggins. <laughs> uh, all right. So wow. num- who do we have coming up next? Number five. Wow. So five. in reality, this was Dante Exum to the Utah Jazz. This was a player that I was colossally wrong on at the time when it happened, I remember I posted on Facebook. I'm not afraid to admit it now. I said Dante Exum would be the best player coming out of this draft, which was um, so ridiculously wrong. Um, but, hey, you know, you live and you learn. But in reality... Dude, I was at this party at my uncle's house back then when this draft was happening, and 
this guy who I didn't even know. We, me and my brother were talking about the draft, and this guy we didn't even know says, you got to look out for Dante Axum. And we're like, what? who are you? And he's like, kid's got a jump shot like Reggie Miller. <laughs> I, I remember every time Dante Axum's brought up, my brother brings up jump shot like fucking Reggie Miller. Right? Oh, my God, dude. <laughs> oh, yeah. Interesting. Um, but I went with a guy that we just recently touched on and brought up. I went with Aaron Gordon here. And um, I, I took a deep dive into Aaron Gordon's numbers. Uh, they're not super impressive, but I but I like them. 12 and 6 for his career, 44% from the field, wind shares uh, over 20. The BPM is like almost neutral. Top 6 in the class in rebounds and points and wind shares. Defensive wind shares are not that bad. And here's the thing. I know the sample size is going to be small, but in the playoffs, granted, there are only five games. He showed up, and he actually played better than Vucevic, which I thought was interesting because Aaron Gordon has been a guy that perennially people want more from. They want him to pick up the three-point shot. They want him to do this. They want him to do that. But Aaron Gordon is a decent player, um, and I know you're a big Magic fan, so you, you, you might like this pick. You might not, but I went with Aaron Gordon at five. I love the pick. Are you kidding? I love Aaron Gordon. I picked him here too. Okay. So I, I almost put him. Uh, I almost put him one spot ahead. I almost put him ahead of Capella. But no, I love the pick. I got him here. Um, no, I, no, ev- everything you just said is a hundred percent accurate. People, but people, uh, people expected Gordon to be better at by this point. Obviously, especially. Uh, last year he showed improvement with the three-point shot. You know, he shot league average from three, 35%. And this year he's only 30% on threes. His scoring's down. Uh, I, look, he I – don't, I don't know how to say this without sounding like a total dick, but Nikola Vucevic is holding that team back. That's, okay. that's about the nicest way I can say that. Okay. And he, he's – from he's holding the team back from Aaron Gordon reaching his fullest potential is basically what it is because Gordon's not getting the touches he should be getting. And that's it's not to say Nikola Vucevic is a bad player. It's just he needs the ball to the offense to run through him to reach his highest point. And Vucevic is getting the most shots. Fournier is getting the second most shots. And they're veterans. They're at they're at their highest potential right now. And Gordon is not at his highest potential. He's a guy. It looks like he can average twenty and five. Yeah, maybe even, probably twenty and five. He's averaged seventeen in a season before. Right. And he's a great passer. I, I don't know. He it, he just oozes potential to me. And right now, there's this consensus. Well, not consensus, but there's a certain feeling that the Magic can't build around Isaac and Aaron Gordon because you know Isaac can't shoot and. Gordon, I mean, Gordon looked like he was developing a shot last year, and now he's uh, regressed to the mean again. But I, I don't know. I, Isaac getting hurt really hurt uh, really hurt their playoff chances this year, even though they were coming on strong before the season was suspended. <sighs> Markel Fultz really opened up this season for them, obviously, and made – because last year they were so dependent on Vucevic. Yeah. They ran everything through him because they didn't have a point guard who could break down defenses. And now they do. Fultz can get to the basket and they don't really need Vucevic as much. And they paid him a ton of money. So now it's going to be hard to trade him. But I don't know, man. I feel like Aaron Gordon can be better than he is right now. And I hope they don't trade him because it would be a mistake. I know. It's con- the constant rumor is that he's going to get traded to the Nets. If he gets traded to the Nets and averages 20 a game on the Nets, that would fucking suck so yeah. much. <laughs> like, yeah, it would. That would really suck. It would really suck. I would hate that. Um, I, I agree. That would. And, and I, I'm pulling for Aaron Gordon, too. I think he's a good player. For sure. Um, for sure. Okay. We are at the number sixth pick, I believe. So this was where oh god I just lost it give me one second this was where Marcus Smart was picked out of Oklahoma State who did you have chip for your number six selection I stuck with Marcus Smart here okay yeah I like this I know the like you were 
just saying with uh, AG, obviously the numbers aren't spectacular for his career. Uh, 9.9 points, 4 assists. Particularly the field goal percentage and three-point for his well-documented struggles from yeah. three-point range. But the past two years, his three-point numbers have been okay. You know, last year, 36%. This year, he's 35%. And this year, he's actually averaging career high in points. I didn't realize that. 13.5 points. Uh, his field goal percentage was down 38%. But, you know, he's – you know, I didn't put him on this uh, – I didn't put him at this spot because of his offense. You know, he's incredibly valuable to them because he's still, even now, one of the best defensive players in the league. And I had no idea, by the way, he was 25. I didn't realize he came into the league so young. I thought yeah. he was like a four-year player in college. Um, yeah, they refused to trade him. because uh, Everybody always says he's got one of the most tradable contracts in basketball because he's so valuable, but he's on a very tradable contract. And... They haven't traded him for a very good reason. He can guard one through five. He's a incredible. He's incredible on ball defender, off ball defender, and post defender. He's just that good. And I guess, like you said before uh, we started doing this, it it's going to depend on what you value, uh, how we draft this. And I value defense a lot. That's why I put Capella and Gordon up here. Gordon's a great defender. Capella's a great defender. Uh, Smart's a great defender, uh, and uh, that's why I put them all up here ahead of uh, certain guys that are coming next. I don't want to spoil it, but obviously Andrew Wiggins is under there. I put them. That's why I put them ahead of Andrew Wiggins because I think they're all better defenders than Andrew Wiggins. So I have. Uh, so this is actually where I have Spencer Dinwiddie. So uh, a little bit lower than you, but um, I'm a big fan of him. Top ten in his class uh, in points, assists win shares, and BPM. A borderline all-star for parts of this season uh, remains to be seen where his career is going to take him. Uh, like you were saying before, could be included in a trade. Uh, he he might be included as, as the main piece of a trade that brings that third star to Brooklyn. Um, you know, We'll see what they decide to do there, but I'm not going to go too long on, uh, on Spencer Dinwiddie. But uh, really good player. I do like his story, similar to you, Chip, as well. Um, I had him a little bit lower, but I, I do have him here at, uh, at number six. So that takes us to seven. And this was where, oh, God, everybody's favorite current Nick, Julius Randle, was taken out of oh. Kentucky. And yeah. um, so for number seven, this is where I have another guy who's been maligned in this draft class but does have a, a fair amount of, of big production. Fourth in points in his um, in his in his draft class, over 6,000. Fifth in assists, a volume scorer, not a good defender at all. He is also top five in three-point percentage. Um, this is where I have Zach Levine. Um, a, a lot of production here. It is going to be very interesting to see how the Bulls move with him forward because... They have a fair amount of young players on their team with Kobe White, Wendell Carter Jr. Um, God, who else do they have? Laurie Markkinen, uh, a lot of players. And, you know, the problem with Zach Levine is there's a lot of players that don't really mesh with Zach Levine. Uh, and and a lot of pairing numbers, well, you'll look at their net rating with him included, they're typically negative. Uh, but I do have him up here because he is a very uh, potent scorer. He can do a lot. Uh, he's actually decent. If you look at his assist percentage numbers, they're they're fairly high when you look at the guards that are in this draft. So he is a playmaker. I'm not saying he makes players better, but he's a willing passer, and, and I think he can create. But uh, there's still a lot for him to improve on in terms of his game, in ter you know, if he wants to reach his ceiling. Um, so that was who I had at seven. Chip, who did you go with? I had Wiggins here. Okay. Um, I I don't like uh, I don't want to go too deep into Wiggins. We already talked a lot about him, but uh, I, yeah, I had him. I had him lower than you for uh, the reasons that I think we already discussed. But uh, he's his analytics, like you said, are bad. But I, I didn't put him this low because of that. I just like it's kind of the same reason we talked about with Andre Drummond. 
I just think Wiggins is a losing player, and I, I, I wouldn't take him very high in a draft because of that. You know, I think if, you know, if he plays, if he plays the Harrison Barnes role on the Warriors, okay. But if if he keeps up the way he's played in a Harrison Barnes role on the Warriors, I don't know with that effort, is he really going to be effective in bringing them deep in the playoffs or to a championship? I don't, I don't know. Like, is he going to be, you know, Harrison Barnes was able to stand in the corner and make threes. Can he even stand in the corner and make threes at a consistent rate in high pressure situations? I don't know. I, I don't really trust him to do that. And then I, I'm also putting him here based on his career so far where he's shown flashes of there's been times where there's been articles that <laughs> there's been articles that have said, is Andrew Wiggins good now? Don't look now. Andrew Wiggins is good. Well, I think Andrew Wiggins is good now. Remember we talked like, about fuck up. <laughs> when we did when we did a pod in the beginning of the year, we had talked about him and kind of his resurgence and and uh that that he was kind of one of those surprises for us because I think you know the the story coming out of the summer yeah, was we that for it too, I forgot. Yeah. yeah sorry, yeah. I, there was there was I think the story coming out of the summer was that Gerson Rosas had really, you know, emphasized spacing, um, you know, and and a lot more analytically. Well, yeah, he's a rockets guy, yeah. Yeah, and I and they tried, and and there was some some brief success there, but it just didn't work out. You know, whether I don't know whether it was you you know whether it's Ryan Saunders coaching or just Wiggins reverting back to who he is, which is a volume scorer that is not you know very efficient and doesn't really contribute to winning. Um, but yeah, I mean, time will tell. I, I do think that he will do better with the Warriors just because that's a great team and it's a great coaching staff. But if he doesn't make it there, I mean, it's not going to happen for him. It's not going to happen. Yeah. I mean, it, and in terms of the Minnesota thing, if they're going to play a rocket style of basketball, a wing who's a non-shooter, I, I don't think that's going to work out. Can't play a featured role. And that's also true. he was the number one pick. Uh, he needed a change of scenery. So yeah. They expected more out of him than he could give. That's very true. Um, number eight, uh, I think I think you might be up with the number eight pick, but in reality, number this was eight, uh, I... this was Nick Stauskas was taken here back in the day cool. uh, <laughs> with the, the Sacramento Kings taken out of Michigan. Um, I don't even know what he's doing now. You know, he was one of those guys that was a uh, – a good shooter, just didn't pan out. I think he had a couple good seasons here and there. Might have had his best seasons with Philly. But um, who did you have here at number eight? Is he the guy who got tortured by Cousins or whatever? Cousins was like bullying him or something? Oh, I think, yeah, I think you might be right about that. Yeah, I think that was him. <laughs> that would be funny. Yeah, I think that was him. Uh, I had Levine here. Okay. Yeah, uh, you know, he's, can't put him. Can't put him much lower than this. He does, like you were saying, a lot of points. He puts the ball in the basket. Most important thing, and most important thing, guy can put the ball in the basket. You can't put him too much lower than this. So, and he's done it for a while now. Uh, he's, like you said, he's done it on losing teams. So I'm not sure, or I'm almost certain that he can't be the number one guy on a winning team. But uh, he can put the ball in the basket. So I gotta. I got to put him here. I can, uh, I, I mean, I think that's a decent spot for him as well. This was actually where I went with Marcus, Marcus Smart. Um, so I had him just a little bit lower than you. Super tough player, man. I, you went into the, the statistics already, but obviously they don't tell the story. He's third in this draft class in assists, um, just outside the top 10 in BPM. I mean, I think, you know, to, to have him high on this list, you, you've watched him. Everybody's watched him. I mean, he makes smart plays. He's a glue guy. He's an important glue guy. You know, I think uh, as Knicks fans, we, we target a guy like Marcus Smart's um, impact when we look at Frank Nilakina and maybe look at the contract that he was able to get um, because this is a guy that you need to have on your team because at the end of the day, you can't have – three to four guys with a usage of over 25, you know, with, you know, taking 15 to 20 shots a game. You know, there have to be guys that are comfortable with having a role. And even though that Marcus Smart is not an efficient shooter, 
he typically picks up the most, um, you know, the best offensive player on the other team. I mean, I think, Chip, you'll remember this too. I mean, remember when, you know, the Knicks still had Porzingis, a small guy like Marcus Smart actually gave him trouble because he would get into his legs. He wouldn't really let him move that much. Um, and he would just, and Porzingis is not a bad jump shooter by any means, but he would force him to do things that he's not comfortable with. And that's what Marcus Smart does. He's an irritant. Um, that's almost like a, a, it's almost like a disrespect. He's, he's a, he's a way better defensive player than just an irritant, but he makes you do things that you're not comfortable with. He deserves to be, you know, up on this list for sure. Um, Number nine, this was where, uh, back in 2014, Noah Vonley was picked out of Indiana. He was uh, taken by the Chicago Bulls. And this is where I have, and I, I love that I'm getting the picks where I'm, I'm at least the first one to say, or I have like a, a much maligned player. Because the, the three guys that I picked, I know that we both, don't like them, but this one I know that we specifically don't like, and it, this year is going to have a lot to do with it. But when I look at what this guy has done over his career, top ten in points, rebounds, and assists, uh, win shares over twenty. The BPM is not that bad. He's averaged sixteen and nine for his career. This is where I have everyone's favorite Nick, Julius Randall, ladies and gentlemen. So I have him at number nine here. Um, what I will say about Julius Randle is his biggest fault is that he has been in places. Um, all right, let me rephrase that. One of his biggest faults is that he has been in places where he's been asked to do way too much for what he, his actual talent base is. His biggest fault is that he's, he's not a, he's not a player with a high basketball IQ. He turns the ball over a shitload. Um, but his rebound and assist percentages for the teams that he's played on, and especially for his career, is actually fairly high. Julius Randle could be a good player on, on, a, on a decent team, but if he's like your third or fourth option. With the Knicks, he's the first option, and not only is he the first option, but he really believes he's the first option, and which has led to a lot of him barreling into double teams. We've all heard the jokes on Twitter. We've seen it play out in the games. He's extremely frustrating to watch. But based on his career production in this draft class, I do believe he deserves to be on this list. Chip, who do you have at number nine? Julius Randle, huh? I got Julius yeah. Randle here. I couldn't. I just couldn't put him high. I'm sorry. I, I hear you. I couldn't. Maybe it's my, or you know, not maybe. It is my bias. <laughs> what I saw this year, and maybe this is a. Maybe this isn't a going to be a popular pick uh because he's only played three seasons but uh i've been really impressed by what bogdan bogdanovich has done in sacramento he's been really good there i mean 13.3 points per game 43 percent from the field gonna get a lot of money coming up yeah and a weak free agent class and 37 percent from three for his career this year shooting 36 on seven two points, uh, thir- on seven attempts per game, uh, and like you say, going to make a lot of money as a restricted free agent. Uh, I think Sacramento is going to try and keep him because they're talking about Buddy Heal being traded. I think that could be to make room to keep Bogdanovich, but like I mean, we're talking about being Knicks fans. That I- I'd like for them to make a move on Bogdanovich if that's possible. But uh, something else that's pretty impressive about him, he doesn't have a very high usage, only 22, uh, 21.3% for his career. And this year he's actually shooting 58.8% on long twos, too. So he's very high percent from a lot of areas on the court, 65.8% within three feet of the basket. He's just had a really impressive season, and yes, it's a contract year, whatever. And I know he's... And I, I was I was hesitant to put him this high because he has uh, had a very short NBA career. He's only been, this is only his third season, and it's not even a full season. And he also is 27, but he's impressed me. So uh, I'm a fan. I think he's a very good player. And uh, 
yeah, I'm a fan. I think he, I, I'm a fan. So that's why I put him on here. And I'm not a Julius Randle fan. Yeah. <laughs> that, that much is clear for sure. Um, <laughs> okay, we are on 10. And this was, oh boy, another, um, another current Nick. This is where Alfred Payton was taken by the Orlando Magic. Uh, Louisiana Lafayette. Um, I think you are up, Chip, for number 10 to go with your first pick, and then I will um, go right after you. Number 10? Hold on. Oh, number 10, I have TJ Warren here. Okay. Yeah, TJ Warren. Definitely a a good scorer for sure. Yeah, number 10. Okay, yeah, just making sure. Yeah, TJ Warren. Uh, 15 points, 4 rebounds, uh, 18.3 win shares. Uh, it's 10th uh, in the draft class. His box plus minus isn't great. Uh, slightly negative, but it's not bad either. Uh, he's a solid player. Uh, I know he, he uh, averages fewer points per game than Julius Randle. But uh, he's been he's been really good these last three years. He's really stepped up. Uh, he had that really good year in Phoenix uh, two years ago, nineteen point six points per game. Uh, and last year he really stepped up his three point shooting, forty two point eight percent. And he's been a really integral part of Indiana's success this year. You know, the past three. I'm looking at his past three seasons here. And uh, he's 18.8, 4.4 rebounds, 50% from the field, 36% from three, 78% from the free throw line. So he's really stepped up the past three seasons. That's why – and Indiana stole him in a trade too. Uh, and he's only 26 years old. I think he's had a really good career. I think he can probably get even better. But, uh, yeah, I – and I like the spot he's in. He's with a really good organization in Indiana. He's probably going to get even better. But, yeah, he's he was a good college player. And he's become, you know, when at the beginning of his career, he didn't have a jumper. And I like the fact that he's developed and he's become a better player than he was. You know, 6.1 points as a rookie. And he's just become a better player. Even in a, even in a shitty organization in Phoenix, he managed to turn himself into a better player. I think that says a lot about his work ethic and how impressive that is. So, uh, yeah, I took TJ here. I got um, I like the TJ Warren pick, and I also like the fact that uh, I do agree that he's in a good spot. I like him in Indiana as well. Um, I went with Gary Harris here. Uh, top 10 in points and three-point percentage. Just outside the top 10 in win shares, 36% from three, 12 and two for his career. Interestingly enough, the BPM is really not good. Um, but what made me put Gary Harris up here is that in 14 playoff games, he's averaged 14, three and two. He's, he's for the most part, an efficient shooter. And, I, and I've seen enough games to feel like he's a good defender. He's had some injuries there. Um, Denver is a really good team. They have a lot of guard depth. Uh, I like Gary Harris a lot, and if there are trades that I would like the Knicks to target, um, Gary Harris is a guy that is on a decent contract um, that that doesn't cause you to break the bank, and he's a player that brings multiple skills to the table. I like him, um, and I went with him at, at number 10 here. Um, where do we go from there? We have 11. This was uh, Doug McDermott um, taken out of Creighton and drafted to Denver. Uh, here is, uh, we don't have to go too much into it, um, but this was actually where I went with TJ Warren. So I had TJ Warren at 11, um, super super uh, talented score. I also enjoyed the back and forth he had with Jimmy Butler uh, towards the end of, uh, of the season before we went on hiatus. He's an interesting player, and I and I think Indiana does a good job of of kind of bringing those free agent guys on that that do one thing well. I remember I think Tyreek Evans had a decent year for them uh, one year. T.J. Warren has been doing well, and and I and I like him on that spot. Who Chip? Who did you have at number eleven? I put Randall here. 
uh, begrudgingly. So I felt like, yeah, I, I felt like I couldn't put him much lower than this. So I mean, he does. You mentioned his scoring stats before: sixteen point nine points per game, and it's like the it's the Levine thing. He does put the ball in the basket, and uh, he is stat chasing. It feels like, or I don't remember much of his Lakers stuff other than the tape that I watched when I was writing about him. But uh, it feels at times like he's stat chasing, but uh, he he is capable, like you said, of being the third or fourth best player on its team. So uh, he's just been horribly miscast with the Knicks and can't really hold that against him. Yeah, yeah, I, I would uh, agree with that. So that was that was 11, right, Chip? Yeah, I have that. Okay. I have him for 11. 12. Uh, this was where Dario Saric was picked, I believe, out of uh, Croatia. Um, and he was selected to the Orlando Magic. And Chip, you are up for the number 12 pick. I forgot Dario Saric went to Orlando. That's a weird. I know. Remember when that remember when that came out? That picture of Orlando's whiteboard came out when yeah. all that stuff they were going to do and it said like trade Saric on it. Yeah. <laughs> trade for Saric. That was that, that was, was funny. Hilarious. Oh man. Um I took uh, Nurkic here. Okay. I I'm a Nurkic fan. Okay. Uh, He's uh his win shares aren't great, fourteenth uh, in uh, win shares for the class. Uh, his box plus minus is positive, zero point two, uh, not great, but uh, okay. Uh, he's fifth in rebounds. Uh, he's significantly lower in points, eighteenth in points, but he's not much of a scorer. Uh, he's really come on lately, uh, but. Uh, you know, injuries have been a problem for him. He's going to miss this whole year. So, uh, look, he's he's really developed. I feel bad for the guy. He really developed a chemistry with in Portland with Dame and CJ, and then he got hurt. But uh, he, uh, you know, he struggled to find playing time in Denver after uh, Jokic came on, and he was supposed to be the starter. And then he came to Portland, got there. It, it looked like it was all working out. And I don't know. I, I don't know if he's going to be the same player when he comes back from that injury. But I do know that he's had a solid career already, and he's put up some good stats. And I like what I've seen from the guy. He's a good, and he he works his ass off clearly. So I like that. And yeah, I like the guy. I like um I like that Nurkic pick as well. Um, I actually went with Joe Harris here. So uh, Joe Harris. Um, easily one of the best three-point shooters in the game, 42%, I believe, from his career, if not this season. Um, you know, I, there's a there's a little bit of me that has some jealousy and hatred towards the Brooklyn Nets, but Joe Harris is a really easy guy to root for. And uh, he his effect on the court is, uh, is really visible almost every game to watch. Um, he's very valuable to what the Nets do. He's very valuable to what any team that he's potentially going to be on does um stretches the defense really well and we've had a, some writers on esny even talk about kind of his developing playmaking and, and even defensive skills as well uh i think you know if we're projecting in the future i i think that his skill set can develop and grow a little bit and i and i think that whether it's with brooklyn or, or some other team he's going to continue to have a big role and be an efficient uh, uh, someone who has an efficient impact with a low u usage rate. And I think those types of players are very invaluable um, in today's league. So that's who I went with for uh, the number 12 pick. And that brings us to 13. Um, now we're winding down here. This was where Zach Levine was taken out of UCLA. Uh, for the Minnesota Timberwolves at number 13. I'm up for the 13th pick. And uh, this was where I actually went with Nurkic. Um, so I didn't have him too much further down from you. Top five in rebounds, top eight in BPM. Sucks that he was injured this year because I totally think Portland would have been obviously a lot better off with him. Uh, you said a lot about Nurkic. I won't go too much into him, but I do like him as a player. 
And I'm very interested to see what that Blazers team looks like once he comes back. Who did you have at, at 13, Chip? Uh, I had Joe Harris there. Uh, I'm a, Just like you, I, I really like Joe Harris. It's hard not to root for the guy, especially when you hear him talk in interviews and he talks about how he, he found out he got traded like right after he came out of surgery. And uh, then he talks about how he found out he got cut like the day after yeah. surgery or something like that. He got traded to the Magic, I think it was. And then he found out from his agent that the Magic were cutting him. They weren't. They didn't even want him to go to Orlando. It's crazy. Yeah. But uh, yeah, he's got a crazy, he's got another, like Dinwiddie, another crazy Brooklyn Nets story that they just developed him. I mean, the coach of the Nets, man, that guy really knows how to get the most out of players they must really love him there <laughs> yeah i wonder what happened <laughs> yeah 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 uh they must really treat him well over there yeah um yeah <laughs> um no yeah i like you said to one of the best uh three-point shooters in the league obviously and uh shot i, I didn't realize 47 percent of his threes he made last year, that's a fucking crazy number. It's 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 like it's just so it's ridiculous. It's, it's hard crazy. to comprehend, honestly. Yeah, it's an insane number. But uh, and on uh, significant attempts per game too, at a high clip. Yeah. No, he's one of the best three point shooters in the league. You got You got in a league where three point shooting is paramount. Now you, you got to put him on there. He's yeah, that's for sure. And uh, that brings us to the fourteenth pick. I, I already know who Chip did not put here. Uh, I also probably didn't put him either. Um, but this was where Adrian Payne from Michigan State was taken. Um, don't remember too much about him. I remember him being a decent player in college and just being looking more like a linebacker, to be honest, and not you know having a ton of skill at the at the professional level. Um, I I would bet. I would bet half of my annual salary that Chip did not pick Alfred Payton here. Would I be correct in that assumption? You would be a hundred percent correct on that. Who did you who did you go with for number fourteen? Your salary is safe. I went with Jeremy Grant, <laughs> okay. nephew of Horace Grant, Michael right. Jordan's apparent nemesis. Right. Horace Grant. Uh yeah, I went with Jeremy Grant here. 13th in the draft class in points, uh, 10th in rebounds, uh, 5th actually in uh, the draft class in win shares. Just uh, 1.1 fewer than uh, M8. But I mean, that's obviously uh, because Embiid misses so many games. But uh, yeah, his box plus minus isn't horrible. It's negative uh, 0.9. That's not awful box plus minus, but now, the fact that he's added a three-point shot the last two years, uh, he's 35% for his career, but uh, the last two years he shot 392 and 40% on uh, over three-and-a-half attempts per game. So it's I think he's really stepped out, and uh, he's going to be – you're talking about guys getting paid. He's going to be a free agent yep. this summer. And uh, in a week, again, a week class, you know, he's a guy who he's going to be available. Uh, I'm not now they think I'm not sure. Is he restricted or is he unrestricted? I think about it, I'm not. Oh, no, he's got a play, he's got a player option. So uh, oh, okay. a player option for nine million. I'm sure he'll opt out of that. Right. And he'll be available. So I'm sure Denver's going to try and keep him. But, uh, yeah, I I don't know. I I think he'd be, again, a great. <laughs> but he's he's like on a, a he's times, on but OKC right or oh no he got traded to Denver oh okay I missed that yeah oh, in the wow. season. okay okay mm-hmm. yeah um so we are we are in complete agreement with the end of the draft here I also went with Jeremy Grant uh really like yeah. watching him play I think the thing that that put me over the top here I like watching him defend. Um, but something you said stood out to me and it was something that I, that stood out to me when I was looking at his stats, you just don't see a lot of players change like players do and players add things. But I do think the fact that a guy, I don't want to call him a non-shooter when he came into the league, but like he didn't have a great shot. The fact that he added a three, 
Um, and those last two years, like you said, were decent percentages. Like that shows a lot about the guy, you know, like he is a, he's a, um, a hardworking, willing defender. Um, he's long, he's versatile. You can switch him in different positions. Um, he's a guy that you want on your team. And he's a guy that, that when he does opt out, he's going to have a lot of suitors. There's going to be no shortage of people that want Jeremy Grant on their team. Um, yeah, you know, poor free throw shooter, eh, you know, not every player is perfect, especially when you're going to get towards the end of these drafts. Um, you're going to be looking at flawed players, but Jeremy Grant is a flawed player that I'll take on my team um, just because of, you know, how hard he plays. And I, and I think he plays a good role and he understands that role. And I think he understands team basketball and he understands what it takes to win. Um, so I like Jeremy Grant a lot. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm with you on that pick 100%. Um, I think overall a pretty interesting draft, man. I mean, like it is definitely the most difficult and the deepest draft. I mean, the players that we left off were players like Alfred Payton, Rodney Hood, uh, Dario Saric, um, you know, players like that. You know, it's, it's, eh, you know, it's, it's interesting to say the least. I think, uh, you could make arguments for, for some of our picks here and there, but I think overall, uh, I think we pretty did a pretty good job with that one. You can make an argument for uh, Saric and Hood, I guess. And I guess if if you really are an Elf, uh, Alfred Payton fan, you could make an an argument for him. You know what's funny? I'm but, not uh, I, obviously I'm not a huge fan of him. I do think he he gets a little over overkill with with Knicks fans, but he was number one in assists in this draft class, also top ten in points. Um, but he's oh, a, he's a very, so Jordan Clarkson was in this draft. Too. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. We both, we both left him off as well. I did consider him as well. Um, I just, out of the volume scores that don't really contribute to winning, I just didn't want him to be as high. Uh, and I just felt the other ones were just better than him at doing what he does. So that's kind of why I left him off. I, I agree with you. Yeah, I thought about putting him on too because he, I think he was top five in the class in points. So I thought yeah. about putting him on there, but uh, he's just—he's never. I think, like you just said, he's never contributed to winning. Yeah. So it was it was hard to put him on there. Um, and so that kind of concludes our our 2014 redraft. Um. Chip and I have been talking throughout the week, and, and we continue to do these as well as our A through Z NBA kind of off-season preview, whatever you want to call it, season recap. Uh, we are very excited to have a Cavs writer that we'll, we'll keep the name under wraps for now, and uh, we're very pumped up to bring him on the show. It should be tomorrow or Sunday, and then uh, I've already reached out and made contact with a super talented Celtics writer that I, I really have a lot of respect for. So Chip and I are pumped to uh, continue those, and, and we'll continue on down the line with that. Um, always have a you know a, a whole bunch of fun doing these. Um, Chip, you got anything else for for this pod tonight? No, man, I'm good. I think I, I think I said I think I said everything I could say about the 2000. 14 NBA draft right now looking forward to look forward to 2015 already dude I think I am too and I think um one thing I, I've been doing a little bit uh, and I, I hope you're doing it as well so like I've noticed too that like Bleacher Report has been putting out a lot of these um yeah, and so I think we gotta we gotta check out how how we kind of ranked our guys compared with them I think it'd be interesting some of them um but I think they tend to favor guys with just high points per game and rebounds per game and assists. I don't know how deep they really go into it, but, you know, it is what it is. I wonder is. if they trashed the Knicks pick at all. I'm, I'm sure they're very kind to the Knicks. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, most of the media is, so. Yeah. Um, but I think that will that will do it for us. Uh, again, anyone listening, you know, we want you guys to stay safe. Um, you know, if, if you're listening, uh, please do subscribe on, on Apple Podcasts or, or whichever um, you know, platform you guys are listening on, uh, hit us with a, with a rating. If you can, you know, feedback, positive, negative, whatever it is, uh, Chip and I are both uh, grown men. So, so we can take it for Tweet sure. Us. 
tweet us if you want. Yeah, tweet at us if you want. Tell us we're dumb. Tell us that we're uh, smart. <laughs> Probably the latter would go over better, but who knows. Um, but yeah, everyone stay safe. Uh, we'll be back very soon, and uh, we'll talk to you guys uh, soon. All right, have a good one. Thank you.